The audio guide to the galaxy is recorded at SciTech on Wajak Noongar land. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the audio guide to the galaxy, the monthly podcast produced by SciTech, where we take you through a guided tour of the night sky as seen from Perth. In this episode, we'll be discussing what you can see in the night sky in the month of December. My name is Leon, and I'm joined by Amanda, a professional presenter from the SciTech Planetarium. Amanda, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Amanda, let's let's start this podcast like we always do. And can you please tell me, what can the casual observer expect to see in the sky this month? What planets are out there? Uh, yeah, so Jupiter and Saturn are still up. Jupiter in the northeast and Saturn in the northwest. Now, Mercury is out at sunset, but that can make it a bit difficult to see. So I would recommend using an app like Sky Safari or Stellarium to help you find it. Mm -hmm. And then Venus is in the east before sunrise. So if you're up nice and early, you can watch where the sun's rising and see if you can spot Venus, which will be very bright in the eastern horizon. I unfortunately was up early the other day and I did see it. There you go. So you would know. And then, well, the only one you really can't see is Mars because it is exactly behind the sun. So we won't be able to see Mars for a couple of months. All right. So technically, if you look at Mars, you're kind of looking at the sun which yeah. is another way of saying it's out during the day. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> okay, no, don't do that. Um, and Jupiter and Saturn and Mercury is the nighttime planets. Yes. Um, it wasn't that long ago Jupiter was uh, over in the east, but it's it, in the last couple of months it's kind of moved a bit higher up to the northeast. Is that right? Yeah, its orbit's kind of taken out. Okay, and if I remember correctly, out of Jupiter and Saturn, is it Jupiter that's going to be the brighter of the two? Yes, so Jupiter is much bigger and also closer to us. Ah, and therefore much brighter in our sky. Exactly. Makes sense. Okay, and Mercury, yeah, I've tried looking at Mercury before, but it's kind of hard to spot, so... Yeah, it's quite small. Yes, so some sort of app. What did you say? What were the apps? Uh, so you can use Sky Safari or Stellarium. Ah, beautiful. All right, I'll, uh, I'll check those out. All right, so those are the planets that are out in the sky this month. Uh, what about any interesting constellations? You always have really interesting constellations to talk about. Uh, yeah, so last time I was here, we did talk about Parvo the Peacock yes, I or Giant that. Space Slug. The but space Slug, yeah. <laughs> if we keep it on the theme of birds, there is another bird right near Parvo. It's called Tucana. Uh, any guesses which bird that would be? That's definitely a phoenix. <laughs> Not quite. That would be phoenix, which is just above Tucana. But Tucana oh, is, <laughs> is, cool, is the toucan. Yeah. Uh, so cool. it's a small constellation in the southern sky. Um, and it can be a bit hard to see in Perth because of all that light pollution. So if you're out, I do recommend getting one of those apps like Sky Safari and Stellarium to see if you can spot it to find a new constellation you might not have seen before. Ah, oh, gotcha. So it is a toucan, just in case anyone thought I was being serious. No, it is a toucan. A toucan. Okay, and so there's, there's a few bird constellations out in that direction by the sounds of it. Uh, and Tucana is the one we're looking at this month. Uh, and what, what is in Tucana to look at? Yeah, so Tucana itself, not the most interesting looking constellation, and like I said, a bit faint. But there are some really interesting things in Tucana. For example, there's the small Magellanic Cloud. Ah, I have heard of that. Um, can you tell us about the small Magellanic Cloud? Yeah, so the small Magellanic Cloud is a small galaxy just outside the Milky Way. Uh, it's called the small Magellanic Cloud because it's in contrast with the large Magellanic Cloud just next to it. Right. Yeah, so these are kind of much older uh, not fully formed galaxies. Oh, right. Okay, so they are other galaxies. I thought so, but they're outside the Milky Way. Yes, so there's some conjecture, but most people think they do orbit around the Milky Way. Right, okay, so a bit like the way the Moon orbits the Earth. These smaller galaxies orbit the much larger Milky Way. Yep, and then we travel through space together. Okay, and are they called the Magellanic Clouds because they 
look like clouds? I've never asked the people who came up with the names, but they do look quite like clouds. Again, you wouldn't see them in Perth, but if you were out somewhere in the outback with no light pollution, they would look like hazy clouds. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So you need to be away from light pollution if you want to see a small Magellanic cloud. Yes, or even the larger one. They are very faint. You won't see them from Perth uh, unless you have a telescope and know where you're looking. But yes, if you're out in the outback away from light pollution, you'll definitely be able to spot them. They're worth looking for. Gotcha. Um, anything else in Tucana? This sounds like an interesting place. Yeah, so there is 47 Tucana, which is a globular cluster of about half a million stars compacted into just 150 light years across. Whoa, that's, uh, that's quite a lot. Yeah, that is actually quite dense, yeah. So it is a very interesting place to look, especially if you have a telescope, because there is a lot of stars out there to look at. Um, just doing some quick maths here. So half a million stars in 150 light years across is about one star per sort of light year on average. The nearest star to the sun is like four light years away. So, yeah, that's way more dense than the Milky Way galaxy. Wow, okay. And do we know where do globular clusters come from? What are they? Well, we're not sure, to be honest. There's some speculation that they might be the hearts of ancient galaxies that the Milky Way has eaten away. But, again, like I said, we're not totally sure of that. We know they're extremely old, about 12 billion years or so. They're older than most of the stars in the Milky Way, the stars that make up the globular clusters. Wow, okay. Uh, that's a really interesting thought. So, yeah, it's possible that the Milky Way has, like, stripped away most of an ancient galaxy and all that's left over is these globular clusters. Yeah, that would have been right at the heart right of that at the, Right at the centre. That Yeah, gotcha. Possibly, but you've said, yeah, still not quite sure. Yeah, that's just some speculation based on what we're observing is left behind. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and what sort of science can we do with globular clusters? Or can we do anything if we don't even know where they come from? Yeah, so astronomers have used the Hubble Space Telescope to look for planets in 47 Tucana around any of the stars in that cluster, but they weren't able to find any. So this leads us to think that planets don't form around these older stars, which was something that we'd speculated before. But upon looking at these old globular clusters like 47 Tucana and not finding any, we see that oh, we generally find exoplanets, planets around stars besides our sun, to exist around Newer stars. Ah, oh, right. Oh, and as you've just said, the globular cluster is about 12 billion years old. Yeah. So, so yeah, those would be like some of the very original stars, the earliest stars in the universe. Yes. Like more modern stars have been sort of recycled a few times, like the sun, for example. Exactly. So those older stars don't have as much uh, metallicity, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. More com- I see what you mean. More complex elements. That exactly. You kind of need to make a planet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess that vaguely makes sense, doesn't it? Well, I guess it's good to see it backed up by some actual data, though. Um, All right. Any other interesting news? What else is happening in December? Yeah, so there's a couple of things to look out for. There is the summer solstice on December 22nd. Ah, yes, the summer solstice. I keep hearing about it on on December 22nd, you say. Um, what, what is the solstice? If you can please remind us again. Yeah, sure. So the summer solstice is when the sun reaches its highest point in the sky. So we have the longest day of the year and then, of course, the shortest night. Ah, okay. So I knew it had something to do with like the longest day of the year or something like that. If I wanted to observe this without staring directly at the sun, how do we observe the solstice? Yeah, so uh, the best way to do it is to watch for sunset or if you're a bit of an early bird, you can use sunrise. But we'll go with sunset. Um, And you just mark where the sun is setting against the horizon every day. And from December 22nd, you'll notice that that sunset starts to shift and occurs more and more north as we head past the summer solstice. Oh, I see, right. Oh, and and at its most southern point on the solstice, that's obviously when it's highest in the sky. Yeah, That makes perfect sense. 
Oh, there we go. And is this related to the seasons? Yeah, I think we talked about the equinox last time I was here. So we briefly Maybe, mentioned, yeah. yeah, the season. So this part is where we're getting summer from, basically. So when the sun is high up overhead, its sunlight is beaming directly down onto the ground. And so there's more sunlight per square metre, basically. So it's a lot warmer. Whereas as we head into winter, the sun will be lower in the sky and it will hit the ground at an angle, meaning that same amount of sunlight is spread out over more ground. So it's less warm. Oh, okay. And yeah, all right, that... That makes perfect sense. And hence why it's called the summer solstice, because it's right up high and it's, as you say, straight down almost. And that's why we get the, the most concentration. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, that's great. Any other exciting news in December? Well, there's, of course, one very important date. We can't forget December 25th, Isaac Newton's birthday. Happy birthday, Isaac Newton. All right, let's leave Earth behind for a little bit. Is there any other interesting big news in the wide world of space? Yeah, speaking of leaving Earth behind, there was the second orbital starship launch that occurred by SpaceX. I did hear about this. Um, I, I, I saw in the news that it blew up, just like the first one. Uh, so what happened this time around? Yeah, well, first of all, let's talk about what was meant to happen. Yes, so <laughs> what was meant to happen? The uh, rocket and its booster were meant to launch off the launch pad and then head into space, where then stage separation oc- would occur. So the booster would separate from the top rocket um, and then it would be guided down to land in the ocean where it could then be recovered. That's the booster you're talking about? Yes, the booster. And then the rocket would go up into orbit and orbit once around Earth when it would then fall back down into Earth and be recovered in the ocean as well. Okay, so that was what was supposed to happen. What did actually happen? So it did successfully launch off the launch pad, which is a great start. And then we did have stage separation. Okay. So the booster did separate from the rocket. However, within a few seconds, it did explode. Oh, okay. The booster exploded. The booster exploded. So that's the first part that didn't quite go to plan. However, the rocket did then continue on and make it to space, but didn't quite get to orbit and... It also exploded then. Oh, okay. So uh, that certainly sounds more successful than the first one. It's more success. They've gotten further this time. Last time they didn't even make it halfway to space. So we kind of just glossed over there that the second flight was better than the first flight. Do you want to just remind us how how did it compare to the first flight? What happened on that one? Yeah, so the first um, launch took place in April of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And during that launch, when it blasted off the launch pad, it did kind of destroy the launch pad. Just, what, the engines themselves? Yeah, literally, like, the engines do create a lot of force and they just exploded the launch pad as it tried to take off. Right. Um, good and start. Yeah, no, it's not a good start <laughs> at all. In fact, it only got, it didn't even get halfway to space um, before the rocket and the booster still connected. So before we even got to stage separation, it all blew up. Right, okay. So what happens next? Now that we've we've just blown up another starship, what happens? Well, it's... It's all part of the process. Trust the process. Mm-hmm. We never just blow things up for no reason. <laughs> uh, so what should happen is that SpaceX will review what happened, try to figure out where the issues occurred, and then they'll learn from that and then implement that in their next launch, and then hopefully we do get into orbit with the next launch. All right. Well, that, that sounds like a really interesting story to keep track of, and uh, I look forward to hearing more when, uh, when Flight 3 takes off. Thank you so much for being here, Amanda. It's been a time and a half. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of SciTech's Audio Guide to the Galaxy. We'll see you next month where we talk about the night sky in January. If you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about today, you can find more by going to the SciTech website and there you'll find a link for a page called The Sky Tonight, which is a monthly blog written by us here at SciTech about all the wonderful things you can see in the night sky. <laughs>